Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus. Amen. There are a lot of kingdom parables that Jesus told to the people, parables that describe in some way or another what the kingdom of heaven is like. We should probably begin by looking at just what the kingdom of heaven is. Matthew uses the phrase kingdom of heaven 32 times in his gospel. He's the only New Testament author to use that phrase. When we think of a kingdom, I believe we generally consider it a place, like the kingdom of the Saudis, or maybe a time, like the kingdom of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. But when Matthew uses the phrase, he's not talking about a place or a time period. He's talking about the king and his reign. John the Baptist tells the masses coming to see him that they need to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What he's saying is that the reign of God is at hand. In our Sunday morning Bible study, and if you'd like to join us on Zoom each Sunday morning at 10 a.m., please send me an email and I'll put you on the list. But in that Bible study on Ephesians, we just talked about who the ruler of this fallen world is. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Check the headlines of the day. Turn on the news for five minutes and we can see the effects of the spiritual forces of evil in this present darkness. In Colossians 1.13, Paul writes that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. In that great Easter hymn, we sing, In Satan's domain did the host shout and jeer, For Jesus was slain, whom the evil ones fear. Into Satan's domain came the Lord Jesus Christ, born of the Virgin Mary, to suffer under Pontius Pilate and be crucified, die, and be buried, rising from the dead on the third day in victory over Satan and hell and this present darkness. The kingdom of heaven that Jesus describes in his parable is the reign of heaven, or the reign of God. Jesus came into the domain of the enemy to utterly defeat him, to wrest a people away from Satan and bring them back under the reign of God. Deuteronomy 7 says, You are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. God brought Israel out of Egypt. He redeemed them from the house of slavery. They went from being Pharaoh's possession to being God's treasured possession. And why? Because they were so numerous? Deuteronomy asks, No. There was nothing about them that earned God's favor. 
It was simply because the Lord loved them, because He is a faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with His people. You are the true Israel by faith. God keeps His covenant in steadfast love with you. You are the treasured possession of God. Like Old Testament Israel, God has brought you out of slavery. He's taken you from being slaves of Satan and sin to being His own precious possession. And being God's treasured possession takes us to the parable that Jesus speaks to His disciples about the kingdom of heaven, about the reign of God. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now one of the common ways that people take this parable is to make the man be us. The treasure is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, the good news that God sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this news is so precious to us, so extremely valuable, that we would be willing to give up anything and everything in our world to follow Christ. The one who finds the kingdom is glad to give all he has for it, to make it his own. So what does that look like? How do we give everything up to make the kingdom our own? Certainly it's true that we must be ready to give up everything to follow Jesus. In some countries, that means giving up your family, your job, even your freedom as you're put into prison for your confession. Sometimes it might require your very life. Even in our own country, we must be ready to forsake everything for the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the thought that we would pay out, that we would give something up and buy the kingdom of heaven, seems a little contrary to what we know to be a free gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians 2 Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Isaiah 55 the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23 He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Romans 8.32 Are we the actor, then, in the parable about the kingdom of heaven? Have we stumbled upon this treasure and done anything to secure it and make it our own?
if we take a look at our epistle reading on the back of the bulletin, I want us to notice who the actor is. Who's doing the verbs in that reading? Who is working things together for our good? Who foreknew? Who predestined? Who called? Who justified? Who glorified? Who is for us? Who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all? Who is graciously giving us all things? And who is interceding for us? It's God in all cases. God through our Savior Jesus Christ. God is the actor. God is the one who does the verbs. When we find ourselves in the reading, we're always on the receiving end. All things are worked for our good. We were foreknown by God, predestined, called, justified, glorified, we receiving from God's gracious hand all things, Christ interceding for us at God's right hand. And this is the way it is in all of Matthew's Kingdom of Heaven parables. Anytime there is a central character, it's either God or Jesus. So then, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It is Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Hebrews 12 It is God who paid the full price for our redemption. God in Christ Jesus is the one who gave up all for you and for me. And it was his great joy to do so, to purchase you from the kingdom of Satan and make you his own precious possession. And maybe you say, that's hard to believe, Pastor. If you only knew my real thoughts, if you only understood how I really act, you would see that God can't really love me, can't possibly want me. I am not a treasure. And it's my joy to tell you that Jesus paid for your sins just as he did for mine. What is it that Paul said? This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's 1 Timothy 1.15. God takes you as you are, burdened with your sins of omission and your sins of commission, a lost and condemned person, and he takes it all from you, takes it into himself. He wipes your slate clean, and he becomes the guilty one. How did Luther say it in the small catechism? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him 
in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. Jesus Christ was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And this is the measure with which you are loved, that God did not spare even his own Son, that the full price of your redemption has been paid, that God in Christ is the one who has done what needs doing to make sinners holy saints. And nothing in all of creation can ever separate you from that love. Not death, not life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else. You are God's treasured possession. It gives Him great joy to have brought you into the kingdom of heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.